Welcome to the Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of the Determined Mom Show. I am your host, Amanda Tento, and I am very excited to be here with you and share my story. So if you are listening to this, thank you so much. If you're a seasoned listener, thank you. And if you're a new listener, I also thank you. I want to share with you the story of A, why my voice sounds like this, B, why we took such a huge break from the podcast, and C, what happened, how we can all learn from it, and many other things. So this is going to be a topic of many conversations going forward. And I appreciate you listening. I do want to mention that there is a lot of trauma, medical trauma, birth trauma in this episode. So if you are triggered by those things, please do not listen to this episode. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to sharing this with you. So I want to go back to last year. And I was pregnant with our son, which is our fourth child. Very excited because we have three daughters. And so we were excited to have a son. And I had gestational diabetes during my pregnancy. And I thought, this is probably the worst thing that could happen to me. I had to prick my finger like four times a day. I had to test my blood. I had to give myself injections. I had to get my husband to give me injections. I was allergic to one of the insulins. I, it was just an ordeal for me. I had to monitor every single thing that I ate. I couldn't eat 90% of everything, but I got through and, and made it. And it was a great experience to, to know how it is to live with diabetes because it is not easy. And I, my heart goes out to everyone that has to do that for a regular basis. And I was really hoping that after my pregnancy, that everything will go back to normal. And I would not have to do that again. So flash forward to December 22nd, I went to my diabetes appointment, ultrasound, all that stuff. And my daughter had a cold earlier in the week. She stayed home a couple of days, but went back to school. Wasn't a big cold, just a little sniffle and a little sore throat. And so she got better right away. So then in the afternoon of the 22nd, I was starting to not feel good like I was getting a cold as well. And then by the evening, I was feeling really terrible. So we asked my mom to come up and watch the kids. My husband took me to the hospital and they tested me for the flu, RSV, COVID, all of the things that they could think of. And all of them came back negative. They said, just go home, drink some water, rest, you'll be fine. So I went home, drank some water, rested, did not feel fine, felt horrible. I don't think I slept at all that night. And then woke up the next morning. My daughter made me my breakfast and I tried to eat it. I think I ate one blueberry and I couldn't eat anything. It was just so sick. My lungs felt like I couldn't breathe and it felt like there was an elephant sitting on my chest. It was really difficult to even move at that point. Like even move a muscle was so difficult because everything hurt. My whole body hurt. It was just horrendous. So they call the ambulance and we go in by ambulance to the hospital and they end up admitting me 
I have the flu. So I did end up testing positive for the flu. So we stayed there overnight on the 23rd. And then, which was our 15th anniversary, by the way. Or no, was it our 14th? I don't know. It was either the 14th or the 15th. That's how crazy. I don't even know what happened. So that was December 23rd. We stayed overnight. And then on the evening of the 24th, the nurse checked my cervix just to see. Well, they hadn't checked it at all since I had gotten there. So she checked my cervix to see how things were going. And it ended up that I was just a little bit dilated, like three centimeters, and the cervix was soft. So she was like, yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen. You're not very dilated. You don't have any contractions. And in that moment that she was still finishing up checking me, the baby reached down, and I felt him, like, push and pop my water. And she was like, are you sure that happened? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. And she checked, and sure enough, there it was. So she was like, okay, this is now an emergency because I was not strong enough to go through labor to give birth, anything like that. So they ended up having to do an emergency C-section. So leading up to that C-section, a nurse came in and tried to put an IV in my right arm. He failed three to four times. I think it's just three because I have three scars, but he failed three times and it ended up creating a blockage in my arm, but we didn't know that at the time. So he called another nurse. A nurse did it on my left arm. Fine. We go into the C-section. This is the last thing that I remember. They did the epidural, laid me down, and immediately cut me open. There was no seconds or minutes in between those two things. It was just like, in, lay down, cut. And so I said to them, the last thing I remember saying is, I can feel you cutting me. And they're like, oh, you're not supposed to feel that. And they just keep doing it, obviously, because they had to. And it was like, I do. And then that was it. I don't remember anything else. I don't remember hearing anything. I thought it was awake for quite a long time. I didn't know what was happening to the baby. No one was telling me what happened to the baby. I was having all kinds of very vivid experiences, I want to call them. And I thought everything that was happening to me was real. And it was very traumatic. There were people I thought had gotten stolen at some point. It was a very weird ordeal to be unconscious. So I woke up and it turns out that what happened to me was the doctors couldn't stop the bleeding after the C-section. And that I had an amniotic embolism, I had flu, I had pneumonia. And I also went into septic shock. So my body, all of my organs started shutting down and failing. And they ended up putting me on ECMO dialysis, a breathing tube, liver. I don't know what you would even call that. I don't know what the liver thing is called, but liver support. So I was on every type of life support that there is to try to keep my organs alive. And then they told my husband that basically he should prepare for my death. Because it was pretty much imminent at that point. They didn't know what else they could do to try to keep me alive. I wasn't waking up when they said that I should wake up. And they told him that massage was one of the ways that would help if I was going to wake up to wake me up. And it would also relieve all of the swelling because I had extreme swelling 
overall my body. So he ended up massaging my feet every single day that I was in the hospital all the way up until the end. So that was four weeks massage and even did it also when I was in rehab. So that was probably six weeks of massage. Finally, I finally woke up while he was massaging my feet one day sometime in the beginning of January. I think it was before the 7th, but I think after the 1st, I'm not even sure exactly when it was because I don't know. I couldn't even keep track of anything at that. I can look in my medical records, but I haven't done that yet. There's a little bit of trauma going on here, so there's a lot of things I haven't done yet. I'm still recovering and still mentally recovering. So I woke up, thank God, much to the surprise of pretty much everyone, all the doctors and everyone. They did not expect me to wake up. And I find out that I was on all of the things and I woke up intubated. And if you've ever been intubated or if you've never been intubated, it is an extremely difficult experience. That's actually worse than the ECMO, than the dialysis, than all the other things, because you, you have this huge tube in your mouth. To me, it felt like the end of the Nike, I want to say like a field hockey stick, how it's like triangular. It felt like that was in my mouth. That's how thick it was. That's how big it felt. I have no idea what it looked like. I have no idea how big it actually was, but it felt gigantic and I couldn't communicate with anyone. My hands were tied down because I was obviously resisting that I wanted to take out the breathing tube. It, it was just a very traumatic experience from jump. Uh, everything was not the way that I wanted my birth to go. I planned on having a natural birth like I did my other three, be in the hospital for a night, go home, enjoy my baby. This did not happen. It's very difficult for me even now to talk about that part of it because I didn't get that and I didn't get what I wanted. And thank God I'm alive, but I'm still reconciling with that part of it. So moving on, it definitely took me a while to come off of all of the things. Every day there was a new something that was happening, whether it was, whether it was them removing the ECMO tubes, for example. That was a whole event in itself. They removed them and they had to sew me up. I was not, I was conscious. They gave me some sort of like medication, but it didn't really do anything. I felt them sewing up my neck and sewing up my groin. And it was extremely painful, extremely traumatic to know that they're like literally sewing you up while you're awake. It was very difficult. Every day, like I said, tubes come out, things improve. My kidneys were really damaged at that point. They were not working well. My, I couldn't move. This was one of the biggest shocks to me when I woke up. I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. And my muscles had all atrophied to the point where I couldn't lift my head. I couldn't lift my hands once they finally took the breathing tube out and unrestrained me. I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't do anything. It was very strange, very odd. And once I had a little tiny bit of being able to lift my hands up, I asked for my cell phone and I literally couldn't even hold my cell phone because it was too heavy. It felt like it weighed a thousand pounds. 
I couldn't lift it up. I couldn't look at it. I couldn't even touch it because I was so extremely weak from being just out for that long, not moving. It was absolutely insane how that felt. The other thing that was really shocking was A, knowing that I almost died, and then B, having the feeding tube and not eating food. I didn't really even think about it at first, and then they talked about taking it out. And it was like, oh, yes, yeah, that's great. I can eat again. That would be great. Eating again after you're on a feeding tube is not what you would think. It was very difficult. Any, the tiniest, tiniest thing would fill you up. It was extremely difficult for me to eat as well because I had gotten, I guess, like a fresh infection. My whole mouth, my tongue, the sides of my mouth, the roof, everything in my mouth. And my lips had gotten infected and I couldn't eat anything. And milk, anything dairy, it felt like battery acid. Anything that I ate, it literally felt like I was just eating acid. And so they kept me on the feeding tube while they were trying to get me to eat again because of this. And so I was on the feeding tube probably longer than... I could have been because I had a lot of trouble eating. That was really difficult. And I want to say that my husband was an amazing, just an amazing person during this whole process. He took our baby home and the baby is amazing, by the way. He is alive and well and his name is Zipstar. He is now almost six months old and he is just the light of our life. But my husband at the time took all everything on. He just rocked it. He took the baby home after he was in the NICU for about five days because of some breathing issues that he was having. And thank God he made it through. He's covered beautifully. And he took care of all three of our kids. He just it's amazing. He came to the hospital to visit me every single day. He massaged my feet every single day. He brought me soup. He brought me broth. He brought me smoothies. That was literally the only way that I could eat towards the end of my hospital study was just smoothies and things like that because the hospital food was absolute trash. And it, he, I can't even tell you everything that he's done, but he advocated so much for me. The doctors at one point told him that, again, they needed to, he needed to prepare for my funeral. And he told them, no, I don't, because that's not what's going to happen. And he said, just have faith. I know God is going to make this right. And even the chaplain at the hospital looked at him like he had three heads and did not believe him. And I think that says a lot about a person's faith and their beliefs and how strongly they trust in God. And my husband just trusted him a thousand percent and just knew that everything was going to be okay. And even when other people that are actually in religious faith, like the clergy and the chaplain, even when they doubted that, he knew that it was going to be a hundred percent right. So I'm going to abbreviate a lot of the next parts of things because it's a very long story and I could literally talk about it for four hours and still not be done. Fast forward, 
every day I'm getting new tubes taken out and things. And I was in the ICU for about three weeks. They finally moved me to an acute care room, which is where they have the facilities to move me around and get me up with a lift and things like that and put me back in bed. I couldn't move. I couldn't stand. I couldn't sit up. I could not move in any way. So I had to literally relearn how to walk. I had to relearn how to eat. I had to relearn how to talk. I had to relearn how to write. I had to relearn every single thing. And I basically became a baby again myself. It was extremely difficult. You're a healthy 42-year-old. You go into the hospital to have a baby. And you come out a baby yourself. It was literally so challenging, so difficult. But also, at the same time, it's exactly what needed to happen because God put everything in place. And I liken it to a huge storm coming through, like a hurricane, and you have all these beautiful trees, and you think you're watering the right tree, you're taking care of the right tree, you're taking care of the one that you think is the right tree, and the storm comes and knocks it down. But it's, nope, that's not what you should be doing. These are the ones that you should focus on. And all of the things in my life, my family, my friends, my business, everything that was important, all of the things fell that were not important in those areas. And the things were standing. It was so clear to me after I woke up that those were the things that were important. And those are the things that I should be focusing on. So it's incredible and amazing. So my voice was like this because I have either damaged or some sort of something going on with my vocal cords. I actually have an appointment coming up this month with my otolaryngologist. And we'll figure that out then as we do scoping and things like that. But there's so many different things that I'm still recovering from. I have a, and we're about six months out in a few days. It'll be six months on the 24th of June. I'm struggling with some joint pain. Currently working with the rheumatologist to try to figure out what's going on there. But I've had joint pain since I woke up. And at first, obviously, I was in the hospital. So I thought, oh, I'm just so stiff from everything and all that stuff. And then after I got home, I was still stiff. And then a month later, I was still stiff. And then two months later, and I was like, this doesn't seem right. So I ended up reaching out to my doctor and then she referred me to a rheumatologist and we're currently working through trying to figure out what is causing that joint pain. That's one issue. The other issue is when the nurse failed to put my IV in the three times, he caused a blockage in my artery and it ended up turning my thumb necrotic. And that means that the thumb and my tissue died. And so... My thumb turned black, and it was the texture and sound of bamboo. If you hit it on something, it was almost like dead wood, right? And so they needed to do a surgery in January on my thumb to try to save it. So they scraped off all of the dead tissue and tried to save as much of my thumb as they could. I did have about half of my first knuckle of my thumb, like the tip of my thumb, cut off. And I've been recovering with that ever since. I'm just now to the point where my last scab fell off. And again, that was in January and we're now in June. So it's been five months. 
since that surgery. And that has been a very lengthy recovery because when you amputate something, there's a lot of healing that needs to go into that. It's a very long process. So my last gap just officially fell off today. And I am so happy I'm able to wash my hands. I'm able to take a shower without a glove on. That just happened this week. There's so many things. I was just able to change my son's diaper for the first time this morning. And he's been alive for almost six months. So insane. The things that we take for granted. I think I'll do an episode on what we actually take for granted and what I have found to actually be blessings instead of chores in this experience. With that said, that's been a struggle. My voice obviously is a struggle. And I do also have a chronic cough that is sometimes debilitating. Like it's just so difficult to deal with and to get through the day sometimes. But it is, it does feel like it's getting better now. But that has been an issue as well. Lots of things going on still, but I can't tell you how blessed I am to be here. The doctors gave me a 2 to 4% chance of survival. And I'm going to liken that to a 3% because that's my favorite number. A 3% chance of survival. And I beat the 97% that was against me. And I know that I'm here for a reason. I know that God has a purpose for me. I have a plan, a purpose, and everything. So stay tuned because there's going to be big things coming down the road. Just don't know what they are yet. I'm just trusting that they will be revealed to me as needed. I will say that I am starting a new podcast called Healing Medical Trauma. And it is all about stories from people that have been through medical trauma and also from their friends and family and want to give everyone a space to heal. And I also give people that are going through it a chance to hear other people's stories and know that you can get through it. There may be setbacks. There may be different things going on. But eventually you're going to get to a place where you can wash your own hands. You can wash your hair. You can take a shower again by yourself. Sounds very silly when you're not sick. You've never been sick. But those are huge accomplishments. So that podcast is going to be coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. And if you are a survivor of medical trauma or you've had a close family member that you've supported through that survival um, and recovery, please reach out to me and we will definitely schedule a time for you to record an episode. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have an amazing week. Let's face it, piecing together a marketing plan with the things you hear, watch, or read online while tempting is never a good idea. The truth is people don't search on social media for your services. And even if they do, they will still be going to Google to check your ratings. By not having a cohesive, proven marketing system, you are leaking clients and customers through giant holes in your customer acquisition bucket. But let's talk about what else isn't working. Posting tirelessly on social media, tracking followers as a business metric for success, paying for ineffective marketing, buying glossy ads in coupon magazines, spending time replying to comments, paying others to manage your social media with no actual sales coming in. So what is going to work? Having a proven marketing system in place will plug every hole in your bucket and allow you to begin to fill up with new customers 
and to also retain and nurture your current ones. Go to tdm-marketing forward slash six dash marketing dash musts and download our free guide to six marketing musts guaranteed to get you more customers. 